a special time of worship this weekend, and uh, I want to thank our team for leading us. Would you let them know how much we appreciate them at all of our campuses? It's incredible, incredible this weekend. And speaking of worship, you know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Andy Thompson was here from Word of Life Church over in Durham. Remember that? And I went and spoke at his church that weekend. Uh, well, we have a special night coming up Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We're going to join together for a night of worship between our two congregations. It's actually gonna be at their campus and in a couple of months they're gonna come back here. But we're inviting everybody to come out seven o'clock, word of life. It's just gonna be absolutely incredible. And uh, you're gonna wanna be there. I'm gonna be there, Andy's gonna be there. We're gonna put our worship teams together. They're gonna lead us, world overcomers. And uh, did I say word of life, world overcomers. But it is gonna be a great, great, great time together. If you're free Wednesday night, bring your kids, uh, just come. Uh, pack a lunch if you want to, but we're just going to wear it out together with that congregation, and I hope that you will be a part of it as we continue to focus on the Big C Church, what God is doing through all of our churches in the community, not just the Little C. So I hope I'll see you on Wednesday night. Now, we're in the sixth week of our series we're calling Multiply. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've been asking this question, how can we handle our money the way God wants us to handle our money because if we can do that, we're gonna have a lot less stress financially, a lot less, fewer issues, fewer pressures in our life. This weekend, we're gonna shift gears a little bit and we're gonna to begin to focus on the application of this series and we're gonna be asking this question, what do we do with all this information that we've been gathering, that we've been learning as we've looked at the different gospels, the teaching of Jesus, the apostle Paul, all of these things that we've learned over the past few weeks. By the way, let me just tell you, when I plan a series, it's kind of like writing a message. Uh, there, the series has an introduction, and then it has several weeks of teaching, and then there's a time of application at the end. And if you were here a few weeks ago, we, we, we introduced the series by talking about the fact you cannot be a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ and not have Jesus Christ involved in your finances. It is absolutely impossible. And we talked about that, and we talked about the fact that Jesus had more to say uh, about, uh, about money than he had to say about heaven, about hell, about eternity. He had a lot to say about the issue, and it's because he knew that our hearts were so closely connected and linked to our money. So we began by setting up the series, Why We Needed to Go Through It. And then over the past few weeks, we've had several weeks of teaching where we've, we, we've dug into God's word. We've looked at the passages, the scriptures, and we've learned what God had to say through his word. But this week we come to the application part of the series. We begin the application part. And that means that there's not gonna actually be a lot of verses this week, but that's okay. We looked at, I think, about 13 verses last week and we've looked at verses every week. But I tell you that because if you really like deep teaching and you like really, really deep Bible study, yeah, you're probably not gonna like this week. But if you don't like deep teaching and you don't really like deep Bible study, you're gonna absolutely love this week. So I think there's a little bit here for everybody. But we've said in this series over the past few weeks that when it comes to our, our finances, it's very, very easy to be confused. It's very, very easy not only to be confused, but to be consumed by worry and stress when it comes to our finances. And a good indication that that may be true in your life is you ask questions or you make statements like, it seems like we should have more money. It seems like we should be saving more money. Or where does all of our money go? Or how did we end up in this much debt? Or why do we have so much stress over our finances? Are we going to have enough for retirement? You know, are we going to have enough to send our kids to college? Why aren't we ever content with what we have? But my point is simply this. When it comes to money, it is very, very easy to feel like that it is a part of our life that is out of control. And anything that's out of control, what does it do? It brings worry. It brings stress into our lives. But we said at the very beginning of this series, as a Christian, you cannot be consumed with your finances and at the same time be a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? Where your treasure is, 
That's where your heart's going to be. And Jesus isn't so much interested in your treasure, but he does want every part of your life committed to him. And he knows how closely our hearts are connected to our treasure. And I know that too. In fact, I was thinking this week as I was working, I told Laura, I said, you know, it's interesting. I've done series, a six-week series on serving. No one's ever left the church. No one's ever sent me an email. No one's ever approached me in Walmart and said, I am never coming to your church again because all you care about is serving. No one's ever said that. I've done series on, every year I do a series on relationships. No one ever has come up to me and says, I, I'm not coming back anymore because all you care about are relationships. Or all you care about is that I have a godly marriage. Or I'm going to do a series in the fall about how God transforms our life and how he develops and changes our character in our life, how he takes us on as a project. I guarantee you nobody's going to come up to me and say, you know what, I'm not coming to this church anymore because all you care about is my character being transformed. But let me mention money and whoo, you know, the claws come out. All you're interested in is my money. Well, you know what, Jesus had more to say about money than anything else because he knows it hits a nerve. And the claws come out. And if the claws have come out in this series, guess what? You need what we're talking about. So you're, but, see, but my point is, you cannot be a Christian and be consuming your finances and at the same time be a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. At some point, at some point, you're going to have to surrender this area of your life to him. At some point, you're going to have to involve Jesus in your finances. And involving Jesus in our finances will ask us, will force us as Christians to ask the question, what financial changes need to be made in my life to bring me into alignment with what Jesus taught about finances? In other words, how do I live out what I've actually learned in this series? And to help us in that process, over the next few minutes, I want to talk about four decisions that we each need to make if we're going to align our finances with what Jesus, with what the Bible teaches about our finances. But before we look at those four decisions, I want us to look at a verse. I mean, it is church. We've got to have at least one verse, okay? So Proverbs 28, verse 26. We'll put this verse up on the screen. Those who trust in themselves are fools. In other words, Solomon says, listen, the person who ignores advice, the person who ignores counsel, the person who ignores wisdom, the person who just goes with his gut feeling and does whatever he wants to do, regardless of what everybody else says, Solomon says, that person is a fool. And he's a fool because see, now he knows the right thing to do because he's gotten advice, he's gotten counsel, he's gotten wisdom, he just chooses not to do it. So he says, those who trust in themselves are fools. But notice the last part of verse 26. Those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. In other words, the person who decides, the individual who decides when it comes to his or her finances. I, I, listen, I'm going to ignore greed. I'm going to ignore culture. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore what everyone else is doing in the area of their personal finances. And I'm going to do what's smart. I'm going to do what's wise according to to God's word, according to God's counsel, according to God's wisdom. And I'm telling you, if you will get to your place, the place in your life where you begin to live that way, not just with your finances, but when it comes to your marriage, your parenting, your dating, anything in life, but especially your finances, since that's what we're talking about in this series, you will experience financial freedom like you have never experienced before. And that's what this series is all about. So I wanna wrap it up by challenging you to make four wise decisions when it comes to the area of your finances. <clears throat> and I'll just warn you ahead of time, these four decisions that I'm gonna challenge you to make, 
They're gonna go against the grain of culture. They're gonna go against the thinking of the average person in our society. But if you will commit to making these four decisions, it will almost guarantee you that you will move from a place of financial confusion, that you will move away from a place of financial bondage, and you will move to a place where you will have peace and freedom and contentment when it comes to the area of your personal finances. Let me give you one more reason why you should pay attention to these four decisions. I mean, think about it when it comes to our finances. Why would we take our financial cues from a culture that wants a lot from us but doesn't want anything necessarily for us? I mean, think about it. The chances are the reason you often feel the financial pressure, the financial stress you feel, the stress you feel is because, see, you've been taking your cues from organizations. You've been taking your cues from lending institutions. You've been taking your cues from businesses, maybe from marketers. In other words, you're taking your cues from people who want something from you, but they don't want anything for you. But it's interesting, if you read the Bible, what you'll discover is this. You'll discover that God has invited you, he's invited me into a very intimate relationship with him. What you will discover is that God can be trusted. And in every area of your life, even the area of your personal finances, understand your heavenly father wants to do something for you. He doesn't need anything from you. So as Christians, I'm telling you, it just makes sense that when it comes to our personal finances, that we would be willing to make some decisions that are a little bit countercultural. So I wanna give you these four decisions. I'm gonna challenge you to make them. I think it's a great weekend to take notes. So grab a pen, a piece of paper, get your phone, use the notes in your phone. Or if you've never downloaded the Get Hope app, download it. The verses we look at this weekend, all the principles you see on the screen, you can actually take notes, email them to yourself. You'll have a permanent copy. But I'm gonna encourage you to make these. If these things sound familiar, these are things that are taught in our financial classes here at Hope. You may have heard it, some from Dave Ramsey. Crown Ministries is a great ministry that helps us with our finances. But let me just give you these four decisions that I'm gonna challenge you to make. Here's the first one. Choose the percentage of your income that you want to live on and then live on it. Choose a percentage of your income, and it could be any percentage, 50%, 70%, 80%, whatever, but choose a percentage of your income that you want to live on and then live on it. And my guess is that most people have never ever made this financial decision, but this is what I know. Every one of us, every one of us is living on a percentage of our income. And since that's the case, don't you think that it would be wise for you to know what that percentage is, the percentage that you're living on, and then you get to decide what you want to live on instead of allowing culture, allowing greed to make that decision for you. Because see, here's the thing. If you don't make the decision, if you don't decide what percentage of your income you want to live on, I promise you this, you will live on 100% of your income. In fact, you may live on more than 100% of your income. And you're going to debt and there'll be no margin and there'll be no buffer and always, you'll always be enslaved to your finances and you're always gonna feel this tension. You're always gonna feel this pressure. So pick a percentage of your income that you want to live on instead of allowing greed, allowing bad habits to make that decision for you. Now, let me just say this. If that's going to happen, you're going to have to get to the place in your life where you're okay saying no to some things. So let me give you a principle that may help you when you're faced. Do I buy this? Do I not buy this? Because if I buy this, I'm going to be living on a higher percentage of my income than I want to. Let me give you a principle that will help you with that. It is more fun to choose what you will not own than to own what you cannot afford. It is more fun to choose what you will not own than to own what you cannot afford. See, it's a lot more fun for me to see your really cool car 
and maybe even get to ride in your really cool car and get out of that car at the end of the drive and say, I could drive that. I choose not to. See, that's a lot more fun than me running out and buying a really cool car, just like your really cool car, knowing that I can't really afford it. And now I got the stress of owning that car. I've got the pressure of paying for that car, see? So it's a lot more fun just to choose not to do that. So when you choose a percentage of your income to live on, what you're basically saying is this. I am choosing ahead of time not to do some things. I am choosing ahead of time not to buy some things. I could do those things. I could buy those things. I just choose not to. I will have more financial peace choosing to say no. My point is this, to make this wise decision means that you're gonna have to choose to say no to some things that you could say yes to. And heaven forbid, sometimes you may have to say no to your kids. But we want to. Everybody, no, go away. Just like that, right? You may have to say no to leasing a new car because your neighbor got a new car and it smells so good, right? You could do it, but you may have to learn to say no or take a trip or maybe buy a vacation home. But by choosing the percentage you're going to live on, what you're doing is you're also choosing not to allow your lifestyle, see, to bump up against your income. You're deciding, I'm gonna create a margin, I'm gonna create a gap, I'm gonna create a buffer. And do you know what that gap is called between income and lifestyle? You know what that gap is called? It's called, ready? Peace, peace. But where there's no margin, there's tension. And I'm telling you financially, where there's no tension, there is no peace. So you're gonna have to get to the place in your life where you're okay saying no to some things. Let me tell you something. I have never had a couple come to my office and say, do you know what the problem is in our marriage? We just don't spend enough money. I've never had that happen. If I could just get my husband to finally buy that car, if I could just get my wife to go to the mall and go shopping. I'm leaving catalogs all over the house, trying to drop hints, she just will not go shopping. If I could just get her to spend more money, our marriage would be so much better. I've never heard that. You know why it never happens that way? And it's because when margin disappears, tension goes up. And when tension goes up in your financial world, peace goes away. So just pick a percentage of your income that you're going to live on and stick with it. And when you do, you will have margin and you will have peace. Now, this is the great thing about this system. See, as your income goes up, your lifestyle can track with it. But instead of bumping up against your income, still there's a margin, there's a buffer. And even if something happens and your income decreases, it doesn't necessarily affect your lifestyle. And it's because, see, you've made the smart decision. So pick a percentage of your income that you wanna live on and decide whether it's 50, 60, 70, 80%. We're gonna live here and I'm gonna adjust my lifestyle accordingly. Laura and I just had, we have plenty of margin in our life, but you know what we decided the other night? It's time to make that gap a little bigger. And we were laying in bed and we were thinking through, honey, what are some things we could do? It's fun to do, we don't have to do them, but we could say no to those things and that gap could get even bigger and we would have more margin and we could be more generous. And you know, it didn't take us long to come up with some things that we'll be okay living without. Let me tell you something. If you're newly married or getting ready to get married, it is the best time to make this decision because you may not realize it, but life is never gonna be cheaper than what it is right now. Because you're going to have kids, they're going to suck the life out of you. I can tell you that right now. And things are going to happen. And it just, I'm just telling you, life is never going to be cheaper, more affordable, regardless of what, how you live. And so you, just, you pick, it may be 67. It may mean you can't drive the cool car that your best friend's driving. 
And you may not be able to live in as nice a house as they just went out and purchased. Because see, you're only living on 70% of your income. But here's the difference. At night, you'll sleep, you'll sleep soundly. Now, they'll be tossing and turning, worried about how in the world we're gonna pay for this stuff we just got. So make the decision, pick a percentage of your income, just pick it and decide, we are going to live here and we're going to create some marriage. Second, track your spending. And we talked about this at the beginning of the series. I've mentioned it several times. Many of you have done this. This is so important if you want to experience financial freedom because see, you can't adjust your lifestyle and you can't adjust your spending until you know where your money is going. So you've got to know how much is coming in and you've got to know where you're sending it. Again, the word it seems should never Start a sentence when it comes to your finances. It comes in, you send it out. It comes in, you send it out. You gotta know how much is coming in, you gotta know where you're sending it. And I will tell you this, tracking your spending, I think it's actually better than having a budget. I think without a doubt, it is the most insightful thing you can do when it comes to your personal finances. Now, I know that some of you, you haven't done this and, and, and you're reluctant to do it because I've had this conversation with some friends and it's mainly because, you know what? You're at a stage in life where you make a lot of money. You make a lot of money, you already give money, you already save money, you have investments. Your attitude is kind of, you know, we don't really need to do that because, you know, we're at this stage of life. We you know we make so much now. We don't really need to keep track of where it's going. But see, that would be like you sitting down with your financial advisor and saying, you know what? I need to know how my, finance, how my investments are doing. <laughs> and your financial advisor saying, you know what? You guys have so much money, I, I don't really keep track of it anymore. In fact, you have so much money, there's no way you're ever gonna spend it all. You're always gonna have some, and since you're not gonna run out, I, I don't really pay attention anymore. I'm telling you, you would fire that guy on the spot. You wouldn't put up with that. In fact, you would say, you don't understand. The more I have, the more important it is that you pay attention to it. In the same way as you get older and your kids get out of college and you advance in your career and you make more money. See, this, this becomes even more important because now you have more expendable income than you have ever had in your life. And because you have more, guess what? It is so much easier to waste more. But as we've learned in this series, part of being a wholehearted follower of Jesus is accepting the fact that your money isn't really your money. Your money is really God's money. And you're not an owner of it, you're just a manager of God's money. So whether we have a little or God has blessed us with a lot, we need to know where our money is going so we can adjust our lifestyle accordingly. So track your spending. Third, get rid of dumb debt. And this is a term that Dave Ramsey uses. And when I say dumb debt, I'm not necessarily talking about getting rid of your mortgage. I don't know that having a mortgage is dumb debt. If you wanna pay off your mortgage, that's great. I'm not talking about business debt because I'm not smart enough to know a whole lot about businesses and business debt. Um, so I don't really have an opinion there. But let me just say, uh, dumb debt would certainly include anything like credit card debt, school loans, any asset you have that isn't appreciating. It would include the things, see, that you still owe money on, but those things aren't even worth what you owe on them. See, some of you still owe money because so you put it on a credit card and you're paying interest. Some of you still owe money on meals that you've already digested. You're still paying for. Some of you are still paying on clothes you don't even have anymore. Some of you are still playing on that big screen TV you had to have a few years ago that has long since ended up in the dump. You're still paying on it. 
And I'm not saying that all debt is bad, but I'm telling you, part of being a good manager, and that's what we are, we're a manager of God's stuff. Part of being a good manager is getting rid of dumb debt. Let me show you a verse. Proverbs 22, 7. We looked at it earlier in this series. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to a lender. Now, let's just be honest. Who wants to be a slave to a lender? Who wants to be a slave to an organization, especially an organization that doesn't even know your name? I mean, think about it. You call up your credit card company, you give them your name. You know what that means to them? Absolutely nothing. What's the next question they're going to ask you? What's your account number? You know what that means? To them, you're just a number. I mean, here you are, you can't sleep at night because of your financial stress. You have all this pressure that you're feeling. They don't feel a thing, they sleep like a baby. They don't even know who you are, they don't care who you are, you are just an account number. You are nothing more than a source of income from an organization that wants something from you, but they don't want anything for you. So why in the world would you want to continue to be a slave to an organization like that? I'll tell you what, you can't think of one good reason. So it's time to change that. You got to come up with a plan to help you get rid of the dumb debt. By the way, do you know what we hear around here more often than not? We hear that once a couple or once an individual decides we are going to get out of debt, it usually requires a lot less time than they thought. I just talked to a couple after the last service and you know what they said? They said, yeah, Mike, it was so, we, we just paid off $65,000 worth of credit card debt. We thought it was gonna take us five years, but we were able to do it in three years. I've had people get on a plan saying, we're on a three-year plan to pay off our debt, but then at the end of the day, they did it in less than two years. Why is that? It's because, see, when you make this decision, God begins to partner with you because of your faithfulness and because of your commitment, and he shows up on your behalf because, see, you've finally gotten serious about obeying this principle. You don't want to be a slave to a lender. You've decided, I'm not going to let anybody be my master other than my heavenly father. If I'm going to be a slave, If I'm going to be a servant to anybody, I'm going to be a servant and a slave to my God. So for your own good, for your peace of mind, commit to getting out of debt. You'll be more generous. You'll have more savings. You will certainly have more peace. God's kingdom will be more fully resourced. And if you need help, we would love to help you. There's a few things let me just point out to you. We have a class that's coming up in the fall. You can sign up for it online. It's Financial Peace University. We will take you through the class, how to restructure, set up your finances. There's a class, there's a course online, a foundation, financial foundations class that you can go to our website. You can take right online. You don't even have to come to one of our facilities or classes. You can take it yourself. Or you can pick up the phone, call Hope anytime, and we have a stewardship team overseen by our staff. These are individuals in our church that have been trained to help people with their finances and they will help you at a moment's notice to get your finances in order. I was talking to Derek the other day who oversees these teams. He said in the last few years, people who attend Hope, in fact, there's been so much they've stopped counting, but he says, we've passed over $2 million in credit card debt that people have paid off just by going through these classes and finding out how to get their finances in order. And I know what some of you are thinking because some of you here are men. This is what you're thinking. My debt is nobody's business, right? Well, let me let you in on a secret. Somebody already knows all about your debt 
And guess what? You're just a number to them. They don't care about your financial stress. They don't care about your debt. They hope you never pay it off. In fact, you know what? They'll be glad to give you more. So let me ask you a question. Why would you be public about your debt with people to whom you're just a source of income? People, you're just a, you're just a number. But you wouldn't sit down and be public with people who actually love you, people who care about you. By the way, let me just say one other thing. You probably got into the financial mess you're in because you were private about it, because you were kind of secretive about it. I mean, just be honest. Some of the financial decisions you made, if you would have asked for advice, if you would have asked for counsel, you probably wouldn't be in the financial situation you're in right now. So you gotta get over that. Take advantage of the classes. Take advantage of the resources that are available. <laughs> I plead with you, swallow your pride, get some help. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, promise you, promise you, a year from now, you will be so much happier. You will have less stress. You're gonna have a greater sense of fulfillment. Sure, you may be a little embarrassed at first, but I'm telling you when it's all said and done, you will be on your way to financial freedom and peace. You gotta get rid of dumb debt. Make it a priority. I wish, just, I'm begging you, please just do it. Fourth, arrange your finances so that you can give first, you can save second, and you can live on the rest. In other words, when you get paid, the first thing you do is you're rich toward God, you give. Then you're rich toward yourself, you save. And then you adjust your lifestyle so that you can live on the rest. Now, I, I like to show stuff like this because like I said, many of you went to Carolina and I just, you need something simple like this. And so just, this will help. Just a little object lesson here. Whenever you make 10 of these, the Bible teaches this. You give one back to God. That's called a tithe. So you give. When you get paid next week, that's what you do. And then you're rich toward yourself. You save. And then look at this. You get to live on the rest. And then the next week when you get paid, oh, you're rich toward God. You're rich toward yourself. You get to live on the rest. Next week you get paid. Look at this. You see a trend? You're rich toward God. You're rich toward yourself. Look at all that extra you get to live on. How about that? God could have said, you know what? Give me 90% and keep 10. Nope, he didn't say that. He said, when you get paid, be rich toward me. Give me that. Save for the future and live on the rest. And I'm telling you, if you will live this way, unless there's some extreme circumstance, you cannot go belly up financially. I'm telling you, and it's because when you decide you are gonna give first to advance God's kingdom, what God is doing through Hope Community Church, because I believe that's where you tithe, this is what you're saying. You're saying others first. And I'm telling you, that is the attitude, that's the perspective that God honors. You know why? Because that's what God is like. Think about it. When, when God sent his only beloved son to this world to take care of the sin of mankind, what was God saying? He was doing it. He was placing us ahead of himself. That's what God is like. That's what the Bible is all about. That's what the Bible teaches. It is others first. And when you get paid and you make the decision to give away a percentage of your income off the top. See, you are now aligning yourself and your life with God's value. And when you do that, I'm telling you, you are giving God an invitation to get involved in the realm of your personal finances. I'm gonna say so much more about this next week. Because see, when you give off the top, two things are taking place. One, it breaks the power of greed in your life. Second, it bridles your discontentment. By the way, I saw some discontentment this week. I, uh, 
you know, I live in a neighborhood. I told you the families have golf carts. Well, I, I went home last Sunday night and of course all my neighbors who have golf carts with the message. And uh, they were there to talk to me about that. But anyway, uh, later on that evening, we were having, hanging out with some new families that go to Hope and they got little kids. And uh, of course they have golf carts. And uh, we decided about six, hey, everybody go get something, bring it over to my house, we'll grill. And so everybody came over grilling. So while we're grilling, the kids, and they range from like six to 11, they said, Mr. Mike, that's what they call me, Mr. Mike, can we go to ride in the back of your pickup truck? And I'm like, Instead of your golf carts, you just want to ride around in my pickup truck? Yeah. And ask the parents, is it okay if they go ride in the pickup truck? Yeah. So they pile in the back of the pickup truck and we start touring the neighborhood. <clears throat> we got some roundabouts and I would just get, go round about five or six times. They love that. And then we drive to another roundabout and we go around a bunch of times. They're yelling and screaming at all their friends who are in golf carts because they're in the cool back of Pastor Mike's pickup truck. Right. Well, my grandkids come over on Monday night. And so I, my first thought was, hey, you guys want to ride in the back of grandpa's cool pickup truck? They're like, you think you could borrow your neighbor's golf cart? Could we ride now? Say, no matter, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Nobody's content in life, right? But here's the thing. When you get into the habit, I am going to give first. I am going to save second. I'm going to live on the rest. You have, you have properly ordered. You have properly structured your financial world. See, we live in a culture that says this. Spend first. If you have anything left, try to save a little. And I would love to give but I'm broke, see? All I'm saying is turn it around. Give, save, live on the rest. Give, save, live on the rest. Now I know that not all of you are gonna be able to walk out of here and start living this way instantly. It's gonna take some adjustment, it's gonna take some time, but I wanna plead with you to make the decision, make the decision, walk out of here having made the decision, I am going to reorder my financial world so you can get to the place where you give, you save, you live within your means. Now, one of the questions, and I'll close with this, one of the questions I always get asked is this. Hey, Mike, if I'm committed to getting out of debt, should I do this? Should I live this way while I'm trying to get out of debt? Should I, should I give? Should I save and, and, and live with it? Or should I just get out of debt and then I'll start being generous? The answer is, of course, you give while you're getting out of debt. Do you know why? And I'll really develop this next week. And it's because giving is an opportunity to invite your heavenly father into the world of your personal finances. So of course you give while you're getting out of debt. I mean, let's be honest. You've been robbing God for a long time. Why would you continue to do that? Why would you continue to rob God while you're asking him to help fix your financial world? So even if you're digging your way out of debt, at least give something. At least save something. Maybe, maybe you give 2%. And maybe you save 1% and you live on the rest. But your goal is, man, as I'm getting this credit card, this is going up to 3 or 4%. And I'm going to get this up to 2% and I'm going to live on the rest. But I'm telling you, even while you're going through the process, give something. That's the order it takes to get right side up financially. I got a great email. I'll close with this. It's from a single mom. She said, I wanted to share all that hope has meant to me in this season. She said, I walked away from an abusive marriage at eight months pregnant then suffered crippling postpartum bipolar depression that had me in and out of the hospital for the first four months of my son's life. As I was recovering, but still in very bad health, hope became a refuge. For one hour a week, I knew I could give my son to truly loving individuals during a time when I felt like I was incapable of love. My son is 18 months old now, and he is the great love of my life. 
It has been a long way to get back to health and joy, but God has been so faithful. Now I'm able to serve other single moms as a small group leader and volunteer with Step Up Ministries in Raleigh. I dedicated my son at Hope and I was baptized on my 40th birthday. I don't know what God holds in my future, but I do know what he has delivered me from. And so I will serve with joy and thanksgiving. And then she says, your multiply series has been so convicting for me and I'm excited to set up my recurring tithe payment for Hope Community Church this week. This is the first time in my life I've made this commitment. This is what got my attention. I often tell myself the story that I am a single mom who has to guard every dollar, but the truth is that God has always provided for my son and I. I have nothing to fear. I am honored to invest in his kingdom, and I'm so thrilled that hope is the vehicle for doing so. And I read that to you because you know what? When we go through stuff like this, you know what we all think? We're the exception. We're all like, Mike, if you could just hear my situation. But I'm telling you, nobody's the exception. This, this is a strategy. This is a plan that will allow you to restructure your financial world, to get to the place not only where God wants you to be, but you know what? You desperately want to be. And you need to be. Now, next weekend, I'm gonna wrap this all up, but looking, out, looking at how God and why God will actually, when we start doing this, why he will multiply our finances. And a lot of people have stories about, you know, I gave and I got this, and I gave and I got this, and I gave, and, and then all of a sudden this money showed up, and I actually have a couple of those stories I might share with you next week. But there's a reason, there's a reason why, and I'll tell you why, because when you live this way, it's in your best interest that God multiply your resources and it's in God's best interest that he multiply your resources. So we're gonna put a big old beautiful bow on this series next week and wrap it up. And then I'm gonna start a new 12-week series on giving. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't wanna be shot. Let's pray. God, you're an awesome God and we love you. We love you, we love you. And you, the example you set for us, you put us ahead of yourself. That is not the way we live in this world. It's dog eat dog. It's every man for himself. But Father, we're Christians. We're your children. We've experienced your salvation made possible through your grace and mercy. And you've called us to a different standard. But Father, even if someone's here this weekend and, and they're not a Christian, they don't even believe the Bible, they don't even know if there's a God. Help them to understand that even if they don't go to church or anything, even if they're just visiting this week, this is a much better, wiser way to live life. Because the constant pursuit of bigger, better, more, shinier, faster will never satisfy. But when we get to the place where we have financial margin, and on top of that, we can be generous toward others, at the end of the day, we all know that that's where fulfillment lies. We all know it's the best feeling in the world when we have the opportunity to do that. So whether we're believers or not believers, this is incredible wisdom for all of us. And we thank you that you gave it to us. And we love you for what you're gonna do in and through our lives. In your name we pray, amen.